Hey, guess who else believes in the practice of gratitude? Who? Our online pretend best friend, Gretchen Rubin. Of course she does. Uh, She has blogged about how focusing on gratitude has helped her to even see the things that she didn't even think to be grateful for, for, such as her health, a relative lack of dysfunction in her family, secure finances, the love of her work, the place she lives, and the proximity of good friends. Hi, and welcome to The Improvement Project, a podcast about dabbling in self-improvement 30 days at a time. We are in our second week of our gratitude challenge, and we'll be checking in to see how it's going. I'm Dr. Peggy Malone, a healthcare provider and human being trying my best to be better and encouraging others to do the same. I'm in London, Ontario, Canada, and with me is my much more disciplined friend, Jenny. Disciplined and oh so grateful. That's me, Jenny Kaus, a marketing professional from St. Thomas, Ontario. I'm a small town gal, and I'm a big believer in the power of habits. I'm going to do my best to whip our guinea pig into shape, and I'm going to hold her accountable to habit changes that she will undertake one month at a time. And I'm going to be playing along too, and as we take on a new habit each month, we're hoping to inspire you to become more disciplined, more consistent, happier, healthier, more productive, and overall, your own best self. This month, we are focusing on gratitude, and we are committed to developing gratitude practices. Last week, we talked about the ways in which a focus on gratitude can change your thoughts, and science can even confirm that it rewires your brain. But it's not just scientists and us that think so. We've been reading a lot about very successful people who believe that gratitude makes a difference for them. Yeah, for starters, Oprah. Have you heard of Oprah? I I think I've heard of her, yeah. She's someone who's familiar to you? Yep. Yeah. Okay. Well, she's been a longtime proponent of the practice of journaling and that's how I first heard about it actually. Um, and she has talked a lot about journaling, uh, about gratitude and has talked about how it helps her to see the wonder in small moments and appreciate the joy of very simple things. She famously committed to gratitude journaling every day for 10 years And she says, I practice being grateful. And a lot of people say, oh, Oprah, that's easy for you because you got everything. And she says, on the contrary, I got everything because I practice being grateful. Oh, she's great. She is. Uh, Sir Richard Branson, the founder of the Virgin Empire, also believes in practicing gratitude and has said that it is the key to happiness. He famously believes in sending loads of thank you notes to express his gratitude to others. Do you think you're too busy to send a thank you note? If Richard Branson has time, we probably all have time. Tim Ferriss, who probably is in the category of one of our online pretend best friends. Yes. Uh, he's most well known. He's, he's one of those people who it's like, to us, he's a famous person and other people would say who? Yeah, exactly. He's most well known for his book, The 4-Hour Workweek. Uh, and he's also very committed to gratitude as a practice. And he uses the 5-Minute Journal that we discussed last week. Um, About gratitude journaling, Ferris says he finds the balance between acceptance of the past and planning for the future creates a happy medium that allows him to focus on the present. And uh, do you remember Arianna Huffington? We read her book last month when we were talking about sleep. We, uh, she, as it turns out, also believes in a practice of gratitude as part of her formula for success. She has said, what we focus on, what we put our attention on really determines how we feel about that particular day or our life in general. That's awesome. And Tony Robbins, you've heard of Tony Robbins? Mm-hmm. He's a giant human. guru and giant human, yes. Well, he's another person who has incorporated a gratitude practice into his life, and he's described his gratitude practice as follows. 
He follow, he focuses on something very simple that makes him feel grateful, like the wind in his face or a child's smile. He devotes three minutes to prayer. During this time, he sends energy to his family, his coworkers, and others. And he completes something he calls a three to thrive, taking the final three minutes of his routine to identify three results he is committed to achieving. Robin says that you can't be fearful and grateful simultaneously. And so if you want to conquer those emotions, maybe it is time to train your nervous system to go into gratitude more naturally. And for me, that was, I I thought that was really well said was to focus on the, like that you can feel the you can feel grateful or fearful, but not at the same time. Yeah. What a great I've heard reason that, to yeah, do this. Yeah, I've heard that before. So if you're stressed or fearful or like any kind of negative emotion and you sit down for a second and be grateful for something, it changes everything about your physiology, about how your nervous system yes. functions. It's pretty awesome. But you know, a side note, what Brene Brown says you can feel at the same time? Brave and afraid. Brave and afraid. Yeah. Okay. Well, and I so think she says those are two. You can. That's a total side note. Yeah. But that's one. Well, yeah. I think we could talk about often. that forever. Yeah. We'll we'll come yes. back to that. <laughs> hey, guess who else believes in the practice of gratitude? Who? Our online pretend best friend Gretchen Rubin. Of course she does. Uh, she has blogged about how focusing on gratitude has helped her to even see the things that she didn't even think to be grateful for, for, such as her health, a relative lack of dysfunction in her family, secure finances, the love of her work, the place she lives, and the proximity of good friends. Very cool. So it's pretty clear that we aren't alone as we focus on gratitude. We've got some pretty good science and some successful people showing us that this is a great thing to add to our everyday lives. Speaking of which, how's that going for you, Peg? Um, It's going great. So I've been using my adorable little journal that I picked up at HomeSense. (laughs) It's bright yellow with pictures of lemons on it, and it says squeeze the day. It's the cutest. So if you want to see a picture of it, you can check out my Instagram feed at Dr. Peggy Malone. Uh, And if you do that, tag us with the hashtag The Improvement Project and show us your gratitude journals. We'd totally love to see them. So as for my gratitude practice, I do the morning prompts while I sip on my coffee. And then when I'm finished, I immediately take the journal and put it with a pen on my bedside table so that it's ready for the nighttime prompts as I crawl into bed. So I haven't missed a day yet and I'm loving the practice. So there's something really cool about focusing on something that you really are grateful for, but you were perhaps taking it for granted. So until you spent a few minutes thinking about it and how lucky and Mm -hmm. thankful you are to have it in your world. So some examples that come to mind for me are clean water to drink and indoor plumbing, or even the pen in the journal that I'm writing down my gratitude in. So yeah, it's cool. How about you, Jenny? Yep. Still going well. Um, and I think that having this as our focus this month has given me renewed interest in looking at my journaling practice, uh, because it's for me, this one is one of the few habits for me that is really locked in and has been for several years now. Um, and when you mentioned about those things that Gretchen said about being grateful for it really hearing that made me think about some of the big things that I didn't even think to always be grateful for, like kind of those overarching larger things that you're just so grateful for. And it, yeah, it made me think like, as you said that I was like, wow, I'm, we are really lucky to live in Canada. Absolutely. Yeah. And it's something that I don't stop and think of very often, but 
Yeah. So um, have some of those overarching things that you just mentioned made an appearance in your gratitude practice in the last few days or the last week or so? Well, you know, what's funny is I feel like when I started gratitude journaling, it was about a lot of those bigger things. And then as time has gone on, I've really kind of like found more where I'm thinking about like smaller things, Yeah. you know, and I find, I find that the interesting thing too, is the time of day that you're writing it. Like, so in the morning, it's a lot of things that relate to in the morning. Okay. So it would be interesting to do it at a different time of day and see which different things occur to you to be grateful for. Yeah. That's cool. Neat. Yeah. Cause usually it's a uh, green tea. <laughs> yeah. Well, mine's been coffee a couple of mornings. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So that that's right. That's something about the morning. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Now it's time for a <laughs> segment bed. that we haven't done in a while and it's called habits corner. And in this segment, we will take a look at some relevant research an interesting article or just jam about our own experiences as we work on forming new habits. So this week, I've been reading through the book Atomic Habits by one of our online pretend best friends, James Clear, and I came across some things that I wanted to share with you, you Jenny and you listeners. So especially when we are making efforts to start a new habit, and this month it's the habit of gratitude, it's helpful to go to the experts to see what might give us the most success in helping a new habit stick. So in the book Atomic Habits, chapter five is called The Best Way to Start a New Habit. The chapter starts with James Clear describing a 2001 study looking to help people build better exercise habits over the course of two weeks. So there was 248 people in the study and they were divided into three groups. The first group was the control group. They were simply asked to track how often they exercise. The second group was the quote motivation group and they were asked not only to track their workouts but also to read some material on the benefits of exercise. The researchers also explained to the group how exercise could reduce the risk of coronary heart disease and improve their heart health. And finally, there was a third group. These subjects received the same presentation as the second group, which ensured that they had equal levels of motivation. However, they were also asked to formulate a plan for when and where they would exercise over the following week. Specifically, each member of the third group completed the following sentence. During the next week, I will partake in at least 20 minutes of vigorous exercise on day, at, time, in, place. In the first and second groups, here's the results. It's cool. In the first and second (laughs) groups, 35 to 38% of people exercised at least once per week. So interestingly, that motivational presentation given to the second group seemed to have no meaningful impact on behavior, which is neat because people just feel like they need to be motivated. But really, they need something else, which we'll talk about. So the third group, 91% exercised at least once per week. So way more than double the rate of the first two groups. So that sentence that they filled out is what researchers refer to as an implementation intention. And it's a plan that you make beforehand about when and where to act. So that is, how do you intend to implement a particular habit? So broadly speaking, uh, the format for creating this kind of implementation intention is when situation X arises, I will perform response Y. So hundreds of studies have shown that using this technique is effective for sticking to your habits. People who make a specific plan for when and where they will perform a new habit are more likely to follow through. So if someone says, I'm going to eat healthier or go to the gym more or practice gratitude, but they never say where and when these things will happen, it is left to chance that you'll remember it 
or you'll do it or you'll be motivated at the right time. So many people think they lack motivation, but what they really lack is clarity. The implementation, implementation intention makes the new habit clear. So when we take all of this and we apply it to our new gratitude habit, or for me, it's a new gratitude habit. You've got it locked in. Uh, it sounds like this. I will write in my gratitude journal at 9 a.m. in my office while I sip my coffee. I will write in my gratitude journal at 10 p.m. in my bedroom when I crawl into bed and grab my journal from my bedside table. So this said, what habit can you apply the implementation intention technique to? If you feel like it will offer you some accountability, send us your implementation intention via email on social media or in the Facebook group. It will help get you on track with your new habits. So every week we've been asking you to play along with us and we're excited that some of you are. And we're extra excited that some of you are even telling us about it. We are always so glad to hear what you think about the podcast and we are very curious about how you are doing when it comes to our monthly habit challenges. We received a comment in the Facebook group from Sarah Hebert who said, thank you ladies, love listening to your podcast. It's become a habit to listen while getting in the dreaded cardio at the gym. You make it go so quick and help you feel motivated to keep improving. So Sarah is a friend of mine from work and she occasionally texts me screenshots of the podcast while she's working out. And it's been so cool to see that she's enjoying the podcast and really getting something from it. Um, so yeah, so that's very nice. That is cool. So we want to hear from you. Let us know what you think of the podcast, share what you've been working on with your habits, ask us questions, or just say hello. We would love to hear from you. We're wondering who's out there. So send us an email to the improvement project at Dr. Peggy Malone, or come say hi on the socials. You can find Peggy on Instagram at Dr. Peggy Malone, and I'm on Twitter at Jake House. You can also get our attention by using the hashtag The Improvement Project. And now it is time for a segment where we dig a little deeper into our personalities called Who Are You Anyway? We will take a question and each give our perspective on the topic with the goal of understanding ourselves a little bit better. This week's Who Are You Anyway question is one that is regularly posed by Tim Ferriss, who we mentioned earlier. Yeah, that's right. And this is a question that he regularly asks his guests, and it is, how has a failure or apparent failure set you up for later success? Do you have a favorite failure of yours? Uh, so mine, uh, when I, it's a bit of a story. Let me tell you. When I was finishing okay. up my university undergrad degree, I applied to go to chiropractic school and I didn't get in. So it was a tough time to be applying for a program that had 150 spots uh, and a couple thousand applicants. Did you want to say something? No, I'm going to wait and see how this turns out. I have some concerns as a patient of yours about you not getting into chiropractic. Okay, and... well, just wait because it's going to get okay. worse. All right. Oh, dear. <laughs> so I was upset because up until that point, I had usually been fairly successful in my endeavors around school. So it was disappointing and I felt a bit like a failure. So I felt sorry for myself for a while. And then I upgraded some courses for a semester. And then through a weird series of events, I ended up in the second semester of that year in the north of China teaching English as a second language. And that was a fantastic experience in so many ways. So when I returned, I applied again to chiropractic school. And I, I was very optimistic that I would get in. But instead, I was waitlisted. And to add insult to this injury, my sister Katie, who is a year younger than me, got in. Oh, no. So I was very sad and very disappointed and more than a bit jealous of and mad at my sister, 
even though I graciously wished her congratulations. At least I think I did. Um, I might be misremembering. Anyway, it was really a giant shot to my ego, and I felt like an even bigger failure than the year before. So again, I sulked for a while, and then I dusted myself off. And uh, that next year, I upgraded a couple more courses. I got a fun part-time job at the YMCA. I joined the Canadian Forces Reserves. And then Again, I, as one does. And then I reapplied a third time. And that was the magic one. That's when I got in. Aww. So I went to chiropractic school for the next four years, and now I've been practicing for almost 17 years. So there's... Oh, I feel very relieved. <laughs> <laughs> so in retrospect, there's a bunch of reasons why these failures set me up for later success. So the first thing is I had to learn to be resilient and keep coming back to something that I knew I really wanted to do. I didn't give up, and I'm so glad that I didn't. Um, I got the experience of living and working in China. I was in my early 20s and it was an extreme culture shock, but it taught me so much um, and really completely shifted my perspective. And it allowed me to appreciate and be grateful for the opportunities and lifestyle that we have in Canada. You were saying before that you're so grateful you live in Canada. At that time in history, China was, and even now it's different, but then it was very different than Canada. So mm-hmm. it lear- I, I had got some gratitude for where I was born. Yes. Um, working at the YMCA, Um, In that next year, I met my really good friend, Cynthia, uh, and she convinced me to go work at a summer camp that she'd been going to since she was a kid. And for me, living and working at summer camp was sort of a life altering in a good way experience. And um, for the next four summers, when I was in chiropractic school, I did that. Oh, cool. Um, And then the other one that I mentioned is the armed forces. Well, ultimately, I realized it wasn't for me, but the experience was enlightening and again, shifted my perspective. And I also learned a bunch of cool skills. So really... Not getting in the first two times to chiropractic school allowed for me to have all these amazing experiences that make me who they're part of the pieces of the puzzle that put me together as who I am now. So awesome. So so there you go. I love it. And I think that I know even like the armed forces story, that's one of my most surprising and hilarious uh, peg stories. So, (laughs) I mean, imagine your life without that, right? Well, that's right. Yeah. So actually, and I do want to say that really it's likely that none of those things would have happened if I hadn't been, if I'd been accepted to chiropractic school on the first try. So as a result, I'm grateful for the way it played out. And yeah, it's also allowed me to realize that just because something doesn't go the way you think it's supposed to, it's likely that there's something great on the path ahead that wouldn't have been possible without the quote failure. Yeah. Do you or think a, that something being harder to get makes you appreciate it more? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, for sure. Like you maybe when you got into that chiropractic school and you were doing it, maybe do you think maybe you took it more seriously or you really appreciated the fact that you were there more than you would have if you got in on the first try? Yeah, I think so. Definitely. Yeah. Very cool. That's awesome. Um, How about you? What's your uh, what's your favorite failure or a failure that set you up for later success? Which to choose? Which to choose? (laughs) I don't know. I don't know why this one comes to mind. Um, But when I was 23, so I had just finished university. I ended up my, I I finished halfway through a year rather than going until like April. So I finished in December and then I moved back home to St. Thomas from Waterloo. Um, so I moved back home with my mom and I at this, so strange thing, but I still had my teenager job, like my job that I had as a teenager at the grocery store. And I would just go on a, like educational leave. And then, so I came back, I had a I still had a part-time job, but I came back and I found a full-time job, um, to kind of get started with using the things I, you know, hopefully using the things I'd learned in school. And so I wanted to get adulting and doing all the things. 
And I was really anxious to be out on my own, um, you know, after moving home with my mom, who was very gracious. Um, but I wanted to get out on my own. I had a full-time job and I, I felt awkward being in this adult world, but yet living at home with my family. So I decided that I would rent an apartment. <laughs> so I found the apartment. Um, I gave my, you know, first and last month's rent and all that stuff and set the move-in date. So I began to, uh, you know, Jeff and I boxed up all of our stuff and we started moving things in and we only did a couple trips up and down the stairs. It was like a downtown apartment up on the second floor. And, um, we got a couple and I started getting this like weird kind of feeling in my gut that like something wasn't right. And I like, I ended up, I just straight up freaked out. Like I went home and I was like, I, I can't imagine living at this apartment. I don't know why, but I just, I couldn't do it. Oh my gosh. My mom was really cool about it and she was very supportive and she was okay with me moving back in. Like I didn't really officially move out, um, but she was okay with me moving back in. And so, yeah, I felt like such a chicken and a failure. I could not believe that I failed to move out. Like I took all the steps. I was doing all the things. All I needed to do was just move my stuff in. Um, so yeah, I skulked back to my childhood bedroom and so I, I went back to, I was working my full-time job at city hall during the day. And then in the evenings I was working at the grocery store in the photo lab back when we still had 35 millimeter prints developing those. Um, so the upshot was I didn't have time to spend money because I was pretty much just working all day at City Hall, working at the grocery store at night. Um, and so I just was working and saving. And as it happened, the grocery store was closing. Uh, so it was closing that fall. And so I had kind of gone back home in January. So this was like all the way back to kind of like September, October. And I'd been working and they were closing and I we were unionized. So this meant that they had to give us a buyout. So that job was ending, but I got a buyout. So I was able to take that money from the buyout plus this money that I had been making from working two jobs. And never spending because you were always working. (laughs) Yes. And I was able to have enough money scraped together um, to put down a down payment on a little bungalow of our own that fall. So that was awesome. November. So, I mean, I felt very grateful to be able to do that with less than a year out of university. Um, and you know, that, that to me felt like a pretty major accomplishment and I ended up being pretty glad that I freaked out about that apartment because if I had been spending money on rent, it would have taken me a lot longer to save up for my house. Um, and so I felt super grateful to be a homeowner at 23, um, but like I said, I can't totally credit. It's not all me. I mean, I'm lucky that that grocery store closed and that I got that buyout and, you know, cause that was a couple thousand dollars. And, um, so yeah, it was one of those things that I felt like such a failure when I like, you know, when I was talking all this big smack, but like, yes, I'm getting my own apartment. This is amazing. And then it was like, Oh, just oh, no. kidding. <laughs> and you know what? Funny side note. This is one of my weird recurring nightmares I have. Like, you know, we were talking about like weird recurring dreams. This is one of mine. And I still have it now. Like you're going up the stairs to move into the apartment that you don't want to live in? That I live with my mom. Oh, seriously? Like I have, I'm married to Jeff. I have Ethan. And then I'm sitting there at the, I got the dining table saying to her, like, I, 
it's going to be soon. We're going to move out. Like, I think we've got things almost lined up. And then I wake up and I'm like, oh, right. I have my own house. Like I, <laughs> as soon as, he, as soon as Ethan turns 18, we're moving out. <laughs> it's just a weird thing. And I don't know what that is, but anyway, so yeah, I felt like a failure, but it ended up working out very well. Awesome. And... I'm glad. Okay. Anyway, so now it's time for what are you digging lately? This segment is one that may or may not be related to our monthly theme. Peggy and I like to talk to each other about what podcasts we've been listening to or what books we've been reading or what random internet hilarity we found. And we feel like you might find it fun too. We're just hoping you're as delighted by the things we're talking about as we are. Exactly. So each week, each of us will share something fun that we are loving that we find useful or practical, or just something that is pure frivolity and fun. So uh, this week, I'm digging uh, a new podcast that I started listening to. My good friend, Hi. Dr. Allie Miller, that I went to chiropractic school with. Oh, by the way, I wouldn't have met Allie Miller because she would have been in a different uh, class if I had yeah. gotten in that first time. And she's one of my good people. Anyway, um, she just started a podcast called Mom Minute. So Allie is mom to three awesome girls. She's a successful chiropractor, and she's just all around awesome. She's a, a very amazing lady. Uh, and the podcast is for the moms. It's less than 10 minutes where she shares a story, a fitness tip, some inspiration, or a good laugh. And to give you an idea of her personality and sense of humor, she starts every episode by saying, let's get this mother started. Amazing. And the outro has the voices of her three girls telling you to listen in. Uh, and Aww. she also loves music. And she finishes each episode by quoting lyrics to a song that are topical to that day's episode. So it's great. And uh, I think that especially if you're a mom, check it out. But she's pretty fantastic. So even just to get a laugh and to get some some tips on health, anybody can check it out. I just subscribed. Awesome. This is so cool. Well, thank you for that tip. There I will listen in and check out Allie Miller. So I have I done this one before, Mint.com? I think oh. I talked about it, but I want to hear your perspective. So let, okay. let me hear it. Was it a I'm digging? Yeah, I think so. Ah, sorry. No, that's okay. Let's hear it. Okay. You'll so... be digging it for a different reason than me. <laughs> Maybe. So Mint.com. Mint, so this is an app, but it's also, um, you can use it on your computer, like a desktop uh, program as well. And you use it to track your finances and make budgets. I've been using Mint for, I think, five years. I think it was 2012. I think that's how far everything goes back for mine. And truthfully, it just does the hard work for you by pulling in all your transaction. You connect it to all your bank accounts. And all you have to do is just check. Well, if you want to, check to make sure that things are categorized properly. So it does a lot of the work for you. And I mentioned... A couple weeks ago, uh, the financial diet videos, which are on YouTube and they have a website as well. And watching those videos has reinvigorated me to get serious about looking at my finances. And I realized that I don't know some, or I didn't know some pretty basic things about my money, which came up in conversation between you and I, Peg, yeah. um, like average monthly expenses, which you knew off the top of your head and you, you had said like that you could guess within $50. That was to me very impressive. Um, I had to admit to you, and this was humiliating as we were talking <laughs> about this. I couldn't guess within a thousand dollars. I really had zero clue what my monthly expenses were. No idea. I know like I'm, I'm good about tracking the daily things and like making sure things are categorized properly. I could tell you perhaps 
you know, say an average amount we spend on groceries because Mint gives you all these cool little charts. So I more have just been into kind of collecting the data, yeah. but I wasn't good about kind of understanding the the trends or what it all meant. So this was one of my things on my 19 for 2019 was to get a little bit of a better handle on what was going on with my money. So Mint has been amazing. And now it's cool because I have all of this data to look at over the course of, the you know, since 2012. But it, it like seeing those financial diet videos made me realize that even though I felt like I had a handle on things, I I didn't like I have all the data and it's there, but I didn't have like a good understanding of what's going on. So with now my money. it'll allow you to take the next step. Yeah, well, because I want to get a little bit more focused on my investing and I really didn't know how much I could be investing. And so what I was doing at the end of the year is just kind of what I had I'd put in and I didn't know what I was doing. All right. And I'm married to an accountant. <laughs> like, what a failure on his part. <laughs> I'm going to blame him. It's got to be Jeff's fault somehow. <laughs> oh, gosh. All right. Yeah. Well, now it's, now it's time for you win or you learn. Each week, Jenny and I will trade off during this segment to let you know where we did something right and there was cause to celebrate or where something perhaps went off the rails and allowed for a learning opportunity. These can be related to our journey as we take on new habits, or they may just be celebrations and bumps in the road in our everyday lives. I'm up for the win this week, and I'm going to share this win with you, Peg. This is going to be our shared win because we have been attempting to get together for dinner with our spouses for a little while now, and we did it. Yay! Yay! (laughs) We had an awesome dinner out at Mexi Cactus together, which was a restaurant in London that you had recommended. Yeah. And it was so fun to have the guys there too. Yeah, it was fun. uh, And I, I hope we'll do it again soon. And I... I, my mind is still blown by the fact that they deep fry their tacos. <laughs> uh, yeah, because anything deep fried is delicious. I was, as I was ordering it, I was like, oh, this seems like it might be a bad choice. I'm going to do it anyway. And I didn't regret it because it was like a taco hot pocket. Yeah, it was good. Eh? You liked it? I ate three of those bad boys. Oh my goodness. And I felt really bad. I don't know if you noticed this, but when, after I ordered, and we were sitting there talking, I said to Jeff, because this is a normal thing where say if I get three, like there's three, I'll say, oh, you can have one of mine. Because I always just think like, there's no way I'm going to be able to eat all that. And he was like, okay, cool. So we're (laughs) eating and I was 75% of the way through my third taco. And he kind of just like, and I think too, because we've been together for 21 years, I could just tell by that cursory glance that he made out of the corner of my eye at my plate. It was like, oh, Oh, I told you you could have one of these. I'm so sorry. Just <laughs> kidding. So I, I'm eating all those tacos. <laughs> I did give him the last two bites of, of my taco. I totally didn't notice that. That's hilarious. Oh, my gosh. And I wanted it. That was the worst part. I was like, oh, here you go. And he was like, are you sure you're done? And I was like, yes. Oh. <laughs> I felt so bad. Well, and I looked over at his plate. And what was, I don't remember what he ordered. Was he it had a, chim- a ch- He had a chimichanga, yeah. That thing was huge. Yeah. So in my mind, I was like, well, there's no way he's going to want yeah, this taco. Yeah, it was taco. as big as his head. He doesn't need, yeah. another, he oh. doesn't need another taco. <laughs> Let me, between you and I, he ate that whole thing, ate part of mine. And then when we got home, he ate more. Oh, my goodness. He ate a lot. Amazing. All right. Yeah. Well, I'm up for the learn. And it's kind of neat because my learn is kind of for both of us, too. So it's related to your digging when you're talking about mint. Oh. And it, okay. this, and it's also related to one of my 19 for 2019 as well. So I got signed up for Mint at the beginning of the year and I connected my banking information and I added it in budgets. 
And then I haven't looked at it since. <gasps> Peg. Yeah. So I've been resisting this so hard for some reason. And I know that this is why I have it on my list for this year, because I think it's pretty common that people like to bury their heads in the sand a little bit and not pay, pay close attention to their budget or spending. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> so once again, I'm asking for accountability here to get on it and to check in regularly to make sure that I'm on track. So both Jenny and I obviously have <laughs> just mentioned that tracking finances is a bit of a stumbling block this week. So we know that it, it can't be only us, right? So um, if you're struggling with this or feeling this too, let us know. We can offer each other accountability in the Facebook group. Search for The Improvement Project on Facebook and click join if you want to chat more about this sticky topic there. And don't you think, Peg, that this would make a great monthly challenge? Definitely, yes. Yes. And it's very much like when we tracked food. Yeah. It's all about awareness, right? That's right. So, exactly. Anyway, for another day. For another day. So next week, we're going to be checking in again to see how our gratitude practice is going. And that's it for this episode of The Improvement Project. We would love to hear if you have a gratitude practice or if you have been joining us in our gratitude practice and what you're learning from it. Get in touch. Our email address is theimprovementproject at drpeggymalone.com. Jenny is on Twitter at jakehouse and I'm on Instagram at drpeggymalone. You can always get our attention by using the hashtag theimprovementproject. You'll find all of the resources and links that we mentioned during today's show in the show notes at drpeggymalone.com forward slash podcast. And if you like the show and you are grateful for it, please be sure to tell a friend and even show them how to listen to a podcast because some people might not know. I've definitely come across that a lot. And also subscribe to us wherever you listen to your podcast. That's very meaningful to us. And we also have a Facebook group. So search for The Improvement Project on Facebook to join in on that conversation. Now I want you to go to work on improving the most important project that you have. That's you. Thanks for listening. Until next time, stay focused and get after it. Oh man, we had a wild night last night. Did you? Oh, we were, um, we were up late and, uh, we steam cleaned the rug, <laughs> not to brag, man. I woke up this morning and I was like, Whoa, look at that rug. What happened last night? <laughs>